This is Bulls Beat on Bulls Unlimited. Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. And welcome to the Friday program where we will get you set for two big basketball games this weekend. The men against UTSA on Saturday and the women against East Carolina on Sunday. Both offer unique challenges, that is for certain. And, of course, the latest challenge for the Bulls to keep it going because they kept on winning on Wednesday night. Some tremendous highlights from Jim Lighthall and Joey Johnston from yet another comeback victory, one which really didn't look like it was going to happen for several reasons. You'll hear those highlights here in our first segment. In our second block, we will talk some tennis, and we'll hear from the top pitchers returning for both softball and baseball. Yeah, on Thursday night, I was able to speak to many members of the baseball team. A lot of newcomers, but guys you've heard of for sure, like the Eric Snow types. But in this case, today we'll go with the theme and we'll give you the top pitchers from last year, Peyton Dixon for the softball team and Jack Siebert on the baseball side of things. Remember, softball season is less than two weeks away. We'll have plenty of those games for you on Bulls Unlimited. Same thing with baseball as far as the coverage goes. And baseball kicks in a week after softball does. And we've got still plenty more interviews to bring you from the softball photo shoot. And then last night we loaded up with about half of the baseball team. So before we get to the Saturday opponent for men's basketball, UTSA, which loves to shoot, and I mean loves to shoot the three-pointers, but also loves to give up a lot of points per game. So that promises to be entertaining. The Bulls are always entertaining, as they were on Wednesday night. Another comeback victory to get them to 12-5 and five on the season. That's just, well, it's great to hear me say it. And they have won 10 of 11. That's how you get there. And they are 5-1 and one in the AAC, a half game out of first place. Really some dramatic games, not just on the men's side, but on the women's side. We'll tell you about those. But in men's case, last night, Charlotte, men's case, last night, North Texas took down SMU, which actually was going to creep into the top 30 of the net ranking and has already been projected as a third NCAA team along with FAU and Memphis from the conference. Well, North Texas beat them in a close one, 68-66, and that's the team North Texas that's tied with the Bulls at 5-1, and one, a half game behind FAU and Charlotte. The 49ers just 12-7 and seven overall don't have the computer ranking, but they got the 6-1 and one conference ranking thanks to a pair of back-to-back comebacks from 20 points down. Then it's Memphis, SMU, and UAB all at 4-2 and two before you drop to Tulane, which is below 500, thanks to UTSA, by the way. So seven teams, the top half of the league, all within a game and a half of one another, and the Bulls look to keep pace by taking care of UTSA if they can. But it didn't look like they were going to have it against Temple. I know that seems silly to say the way this team comes back, but it's tough when you continue to put yourself in holes to win every single time. As I said on social media in this case, it was a 9-2 hole. It was a 14-5 hole. But the Bulls started to chip away, as they're pretty darn good at doing, and despite some numbers that did not favor them in the first half, got it down to one, thanks to five points in a row at one stretch for South Florida by Selton Miguel. However, Temple had the answer, went back up by eight, and led it by four at the half. Neither team made a field goal in the last two and a half minutes. Shooting was not good in that first half. Rebounding was great for the Bulls, outboarding the Owls 20-12, to 12, including 
doubling them on the offensive glass, 6-3. to three. Kaysen Pryor was doing his thing in the first half, 9.6 rebounds. But as a team, the Bulls were just 8-for-23 from the floor, and Pryor was the only player that made more than one bucket, 2-for-4. Now, he was 4-for-4 four four from the line, so was Selton Miguel. The Bulls hung in it with free throws. That was a critical element on this Wednesday night in Philadelphia. The Bulls were 11-for-12 in the first half. Second half, Bulls actually took the lead. Kaysen Pryor with the dunk, followed by a three. Kaysen Pryor with another rebound. Here he comes back the other way. Kaysen's going to stop the three-point line. Let's one fly. Yes! Oh. Kaysen Pryor has given the Bulls the lead! Their first lead. Oh, yeah, did you know that Amir Abdurrahim spent plenty of time at the shoot-around refining Kaysen Pryor's three-point mechanics? And as a result, probably he had a career-high four makes from three. Yep, that happened. However, Temple, speaking of three-point shots, five of them in a seven-minute span, and I mentioned the offensive rebounds favoring the Bulls in the first half. This was the end of that span, and for many reasons, which we'll explain in a second, it looked like, to me anyway, it would be the end of the Bulls' recent string of victories. Shot clock down to 13. Miller drives left. Corey Walker guards him. Into the corner it goes. Piccarelli fires a three. Good. Sayer got taken out, or I mean, Pryor got taken out by a screen. That allowed Piccarelli room to work. Man, is that guy lighting it up. He's five for six from three today. Here's Kaysen Pryor on the handle. Jaleel White back in the game. Pryor goes behind the back. They jump him on the double team. It's loose. Piccarelli picks it up on the run. He's going to go in for the layup. It rolls off. Pryor tips it to himself, knocked out of his hands. Temple's got it. Miller in the corner for three. Yeah. Nine-point Temple lead. Nine and a half left, and Temple has gone bonkers from three-point range today. I mean, by I'm being kind when I say they're a bad three-point shooting team. But yet today, they're 10 of 18. 10 of 18, now 5 of 8 here in the second half, and they've built this lead back up to 9, which matches their largest lead of the game. And with only nine and a half minutes left, you heard the crowd was into it. Give them credit for a team that had lost four in a row. Let's see, some of the things that made me think this was the end to the Bulls' recent wins. One was the halftime score. Temple was up four. Temple came in 8-11. and 8-0 and when they were ahead at halftime, the Owls. 0-11 oh when they were behind. So that gave you a bad vibe. Also the fact, and just to flesh out what Jim Lighthall was saying, that Temple came in last in the league in three-point field goal percentage, 29.7%. They're still last in the league, but they got that number above 30% with their performance against the Bulls. Interestingly, though, they're last in percentage, but they're actually third in makes. Obviously, they put up a ton of them. And the kid you heard, Matt Piccarelli, who last year made nearly 73s at Maryland-Baltimore County, and this year has plenty, but had never made six in a game. He was 6-for-10 after going 0-for-1 against Rice in his previous game. Now, they would only make one of their last seven. It kind of reminds me of the Memphis game where a bunch of Tigers were trying to hit that put-away three, and the Owls just didn't have it. But some other concerning things at the time that, again, the Bulls overcame. One, Jaden Reed was not playing well. Wait to hear what Amir Abdurrahim has to say about that, a little bit of his post-game interview coming up. At that moment, the Bulls, first of all, in the second half, were getting outboarded on the offensive end, eight to nothing. At that point, Jaden Reed's plus-minus was a minus 13, while Jose Placer was a plus-nine. And frankly, I'm thinking, okay, this is it. The freshman's kind of hitting the wall. It's bound to happen, right? And the bench is what Casey Pryor was hitting after. And I actually watched back the ESPN 
plus guys, they did a good job, especially analyst Mark Jackson, former player, of noticing that Pryor went to the bench because he was doing a little too much dribbling. He turned it over. He fumbled it away on the potential rebound, leading to that three you just heard. He not only went to the bench, he sat from the nine-and-a-half-minute mark to the 113 mark. So none of this looked good. Oh, Pryor would come back and make an impact, but the guy who came in for him, Corey Walker, did plenty while he was on the court, as did Reed, as did Selton Miguel, as did Chris Youngblood. Oh, yeah, they were all at it. Here's the latest Bulls comeback victory in highlight fashion. Reed gets it off to Selton Miguel. Selton puts it on the floor, goes right into contact, throws up a leaner, didn't go. Corey oh. Walker with a tough putback. Really tough, really tough. Oh, he was on the left side of the rim. The ball got behind him. Yeah. He managed to steer it back I in. I don't think he could even get a good view of the basket. He just kind of put his big arm up there and got it tipped in and cut this lead to 7, 55-48. Walker on the right wing to Brandon Stroud. Now to Youngblood. He catches, fires a three on the move. Good! Chris Youngblood comes off a screen. All calm, cool, and collected. He knocks that down, and it's a six-point game. The Bulls have made eight three-pointers of 19 attempts. Miguel wide open. He's going to float. A finger roll. Roll it in! <laughs> Contorts his body on the baseline, and Selton Miguel rolled that one in. He's got 14. Oh, my goodness, Selton Miguel. What an acrobatic play. It's back to two, 63-61, Temple. Bulls have hit six straight, 63-61, Temple. 4.40 left to go. Bulls with the ball. Moving broadcast left to right. Miguel got white on him between the legs a couple times. Bluffs the three-point shot. He's going to drive it in. Stops on a dime. Kicks it out. Here's Reed. He loads up a three. He got it! The true freshman knocks it down. The Bulls have the lead again, 64-63. How about that? To Selton Miguel. Catches, fires a three. Off the rim, didn't go. There's Reed fighting for the rebound. It's going to be a foul on Temple. Jaden Reed, buckle up your chin strap and get in that fight, young fella. What a play by Reed to keep the possession alive, and he'll go to the line. Miguel was a little bit off on the three, but Reed got into the fray. Bulls have hit six straight from the floor. There's a hook on Hasir Miller, offensive foul. Boy, that was an obvious hook as he put his left hand on Jaden Reed's hip. And Adam Fisher saying it's an arm bar, but it doesn't matter. You you commit that right in front of the official. It's going to be a foul. And the jacket is off oh, for yeah. Adam Fisher. Yeah. The jacket is off. And he's Fish. trying to get the crowd into it. And they're responding. Yeah. There's only about 3,000 here in a building that seats 10,000, though. There's a foul against Temple, and, boy, the coach is going to lose his mind down to our left. That's a foul on Temple. He's getting his steps in. Back and forth, back and forth goes Adam Fisher. Amir Abdul-Rahim is more stationary, but Adam Fisher is going to qualify for the Boston Marathon, I think, by the end of this night. Off to Selton Miguel. He turns on the Jets. Bounce pass down low. Corey Walker, two-handed dunk. He's perfect from the floor. Four for four, another assist for Selton Miguel. The Bulls lead by three. Corey Walker, whose playing time has often been sparse, has made a huge impact in this game. Still plenty of time. 48 on the game clock, 23 on the shot clock. Got to get yourself a good shot here. Jaden Reed with Barry on him. Bulls have a timeout. Temple has a timeout. Adam Fisher telling his team to stay away from the fouls. Reed hesitates, gets into the paint, stops, kicks it back to Pryor. Now to Youngblood, five on the shot clock. Pryor, jab step, Pryor, jab step, steps back, launches a three. Got it! <laughs> Jason Pryor like an assassin! He's a hired killer with 25.9 left. Jason Pryor knocks down a triple, his fourth of the game. The Bulls will pick up with three-quarter court pressure here. This is simply to slow Temple down a little bit. White in the backcourt on the handle. 
Crosses midcourt. you got to think Piccarelli's going to be the guy. Pass left side to Barry. Ball fake back to the top. They lost it. Picked up by Selton Miguel. It's a run out to the other end. Here comes the contact. He got fouled going to the rim. Selton Miguel helps the cameraman up and then will sashay himself to the free throw line. And if and Selton Miguel was there with, with three players in tow, none of them could get it to fall, but Miguel will go to the free throw line and Cason Pryor turns to the Temple crowd, puts his index finger up to his lips, telling him to quiet down. What a comeback. Down nine in the second half on the road on the verge of winning in this game. White kicks it in the corner. Piccarelli for a three. That's an air ball. Corey Walker gets the rebound, and the Bulls will dribble it out. My God, they've done it again. How about this ride? The Bulls are on another huge second-half comeback on the road. Final score, USF 75, Temple 69. The Bulls have won 10 of their last 11 games. How about down 55-46? They reel off seven straight makes to take the lead, and then like a boa constrictor, just suck the life right out of Temple and this building. Just outstanding calls from the guys and an outstanding article. Speaking of way with words, you heard Joey Johnston there. Joey I knew he wanted to do the story on Case and Pryor, and I mean the full story. And in light of, and I don't know who has time to dig up these stats, I'll give full credit to Greg Harvey of OptaStats for digging through the formula that spit out the fact that Case and Pryor is the first player since 2007 to, in a span of four games, score at least 95 points, which is basically 24 a game, 30 rebounds, about 7.5 per Eight steals, which seems like a random number to throw in as we know he had five in the one game against Rice. And at least a 90% free throw percentage with a minimum of 40 attempts, mind you. First person to do that since Kevin Durant in 2007, and I probably wouldn't have gone through all those stats unless in the article that Joey Johnston wrote on GoUSFBulls.com, there wasn't a picture of a then 11-year-old case in prior with Kevin Durant, his favorite player, as he was wearing his Chicago Bulls uniform. The story is incredible. It quotes his dad, who is a pro player, and really explains, first of all, how he shot up from being a six-foot freshman in high school to a 6'10 freshman in college, how it didn't work out at Boise State, and how after he went to the junior college level last year was getting overtures from a lot of teams like Kentucky and Miami and NC State, but chose the Bulls because of Amir Abdurrahim. Yeah, I would head to go usfbulls.com and check that out when you get a chance. Now, before we get to a very intriguing Saturday opponent, UTSA, here's those comments I referred to earlier from Amir Abdurrahim on Jaden Reed and Chris Youngblood. Quite the critical connection, I'd say. At the time, Jaden maybe had three points. He had no assists. He had three turnovers. Chris Youngblood comes out of the huddle with his arm around Jaden, talking to him. That's leadership. That's a a guy who's been around talking to a young kid. And then Reed blossoms in the yeah, last few minutes that, of the game. That's their, their roommates, right? And I, I'm going to take credit for this. I, I did it on purpose, okay. you know, because Chris has been there. He's seen it. And, um, you know, that's what we needed Chris to do in that moment, you know, because sometimes the old coach is going to coach him hard. And I, tell, and I told him, like, sometimes I need y'all to pick him up. Love that. Also love what he had to say about, well, mildly suggesting that fans come out and support the Bulls on Saturday, and you'll hear those in a second. But the opponent alone promises to be entertaining. UTSA comes in 8-12. and 12. They were 10-22 and 22 last year, and they're just 2-5 in conference. However, a lot of their losses were close. At Memphis, 107-101 in overtime to UAB by just two points. 
to FAU, 112 to 103 in overtime. Notice a lot of points in these games. They are worse in the league as far as allowing points, 85 a game. But they're tops in the league by two dozen over second place FAU in made threes, 202. That's right at 10 per contest. That is 15th in the country. And they hit a huge three to win on Wednesday night at home against Tulane, stunning the green wave. Jordan Ivy Curry, who was 0 for 6 on threes in the game, a floater at the top of the key drops in with two seconds to go, and oh, by the way, puts him over the 1,000 career point mark. 89-88 was that score, so they've got a little momentum. Ivy Curry is their leading scorer, by the way, averaging 18.5 points a game, and he's only made 23s. 23s is good, but on this team, it's the sixth most. The guy who's made the most is Isaiah Wyatt, and he's sixth on the team in scoring average. Christian Tucker, who's an 89% free throw shooter and their point guard with five and a half assists per game is their second leading scorer. Carlton Lingard is their third leading scorer. He was six of 10 on threes the other night. Dre Fuller, second most on the team with 33 made threes in 108 attempts. They can score the ball. Again, they give up a lot of points, but I think it's going to be a fun one. It's alumni weekend. Amir, take it away. Some tickets are out there. How about how about it for Saturday afternoon? A Look, pr- pretty good entertainment value, right? No doubt about it, but just I, I'm going to say this. I say this humbly. All right? I keep receipts. I'm going to remember who's there. <laughs> all right? When we cut those nets down one day, I'm going to remember who's there. Yeah. All right? Don't, don't jump on that bandwagon. All right? That, that door swings the other way. All right? So, but, no, nah, man. But we welcome. Yeah, we welcome no, we the do. newcomers. I know. I'm a, yeah. I got you. I got you. Yeah. But, no, we, we do welcome the newcomers. You know, I think we got a great brand of basketball. Um, and, again, we're, you know, we, we get to service two things, the college team and the pro team, you know, for Champa Bay. You know, and I love it, man. He also, not a bad videographer, put out a pretty good video walking around the YC, encouraging folks to come out, check out the USF men's basketball. Social media page, 3.30 pregame, 4 o'clock tip on Saturday. I have a feeling I'll be making my way out there myself for that one. And I'll definitely be there Sunday. The women's basketball team starting off a key stretch against East Carolina, which, speaking of drama, played in an incredible game just last night in Boca Raton. Maybe they'll be emotionally spent. I doubt it. Shantia Grace is going to be our halftime interview for the women's game. The men are at Saturday, 4 o'clock, the women at noon. And why does this feel like, despite it being a matchup of teams in the middle of the pack in the AAC, something a little bit more important than that? It's because it is. The South Florida Bulls, of course, of Jose Fernandez, and hopefully you saw the new bullseye, or better yet, heard it first on Bulls Unlimited. It's out there on video if you want to See, Romy Levy was outstanding. We heard from Jose Fernandez along with Steve Bradley of Men's Golf. It'll repeat plenty of times, and it's there for you to watch whenever you want. Now, on Sunday, East Carolina comes in. Actually, they move from eighth to tied for six, a three-way tie for six. And how long have we been telling you how tightly competitive this conference is and how I really don't think there's much difference between, say, first place and tenth place? Last night was a great example. Let's go to Wednesday first. Remember that North Texas team that beat the Bulls last Saturday night? Had a player, Shamara Duncan, who had not made a three in her last four games, decided to go four for four, including two late. Well, here she was against Tulane. North Texas was down by 10 midway through the fourth quarter, and she hadn't made a three. Well, she made two late threes to force overtime, and North Texas stays tied for the conference lead, beating Tulane in overtime by seven. So that is a team tied for first. 
needing to go overtime at home to beat the team that's next to last. Then, last night, the other team tied for first, UAB, needed to go overtime to beat the team that is in 12th place. Also last night, Sunday's Bulls opponent, East Carolina, was going to get an easy win. They were, the Pirates, up 15 at FAU with less than six minutes to go. FAU rallied to tie it and take the ball with a steal and had a chance to go ahead in the final minute. Somehow the Pirates hold on to win 78-74. They overcame 30 points from somebody that averages 18 a game, Anaya Hubbard, on East Carolina's side. Oh, East Carolina had a 30-point score. Her name is Danae McNeil. Talk about following up a performance. She had 35 in her previous game, including 15 for 15 at the free throw line in a seven-point win against SMU after the Pirates had struggled. They had lost three in a row, got beat by UAB, most recently by 13 against Rice, and a stunning 26-point defeat against Tulane. And as we just told you, while we're continuing the theme, blew a 15-point lead, all of it, in the fourth quarter against the last-place team in the conference, which doesn't have a win in league. FAU, obviously not a bad team, has lost eight in a row. Now, this one will get your attention, and this is where East Carolina is dangerous. They started off conference play beating UTSA 82-54. to The Bulls are 3-4 and four in conference, and only one of those games hasn't come down to the wire, and that was at UTSA. And that team lost by 28 to East Carolina. And 28 is also how many times they turn the ball over. And that is the thing that scares you about the Pirates. They turn their opponents over basically 25 times a game. In essence, a three-way tie with Grambling and Niagara leading the country in that category. Bulls have actually played Grambling. And guess how many times they turned it over against Grambling? 28. Managed to win by 26, but you get the idea. Amaya Joyner, they call her Mai Mai. She was the freshman of the year. Not putting up the gaudy stats you might have expected, but she is very talented, very good, averaging around 11 points and 8.5 rebounds while blocking 29 shots. She's intimidating in the middle. Karina Gordon has taken the spot of Micah Dennis and has become their top three-point shooter. She's been really good for them. She's made 29 threes. And they have the Weish twin sisters transfers from Florida now. They only averaged around two points a game for the Gators over two years, but they're Florida kids, Tatiana and Talia Weish, and it seems like a lot of their Florida kids on the roster, of which they have plenty, thrived in Boca Raton last night. Wow, it's going to be dramatic. And again, the Bulls are 3-4 and four in the conference and in ninth place. This is an opportunity. Their schedule has 11 games left in it, one each against the five teams beneath them, two against East Carolina, And then the other four are rematches with Rice, team that beat the Bulls in a close one. I think the Bulls are going to be ready for them when they come to Tampa. They end the season at SMU, and the other two teams they haven't played yet are at Temple and at UAB, and UAB is next Saturday. So this is a key week for the Bulls starting with Sunday's game, and we'll have the play-by-play starting with the pregame at 11.45, tip-off a little bit afternoon. It's going to be dramatic, I have a feeling at the Yingling Center. We wrap up with tennis, and it's, first of all, really cool that both the men's and the women's teams are in this event. The women hadn't had the ranking to be there the last couple of years. The men have. A couple cool things about it. It's like an NCAA tournament early in the spring season. Also, the format. You have 15 regionals. The host of the spring indoor championships gets to sit out this weekend. On the men's side, that's Columbia indoor. In the women's bracket, it's the University of Washington. So you have 15 four-team regionals, and just by rankings, those are the teams that got to host. And then the rest of the field was filled out by the rankings, 
in order, you got to pick where you're going. Well, Christina Morris's women's team picked the number three team in the country, Georgia, which is 0-1, but, you know, they're pretty good. Their loss was to the number one ranked North Carolina Tar Heels, who ended their season last year and ended the 38-year career of Georgia head coach Jeff Wallace, who brought them to the semifinals 15 times, including last year, and six national champions. So they're still pretty good. That's who the Bulls play this afternoon. You know, team that went 26-5 and last year, 12-1 and in the SEC, and is picked to win that pretty decent conference. And again, 15 different locations. Winners in the first round play each other in the second round. Losers of the first round play each other. In other words, you're getting two competitive matches. The next opponent for the Bulls will be either South Carolina or Arizona. South Carolina, which features two of the top 10 teams in the country, obviously wanted to play Georgia. So they were the the first team to actually pick going to Athens. And the Bulls will be going up against either the Gamecocks or Arizona. Gamecocks' top player was the number one player in the country as a freshman, Sarah Hamner. The men are headed to sixth-ranked Tennessee. All these four teams are undefeated early in the spring. Vols and Oklahoma, both 5-0. and Bulls just got off to a 1-0 start. Washington is 2-0. Tennessee, ranked sixth in the country, is who the Bulls play Saturday at noon. The Vols just beat two top 15 teams, Michigan and Wake Forest. So this is one of those, if you go 1-1, one and one, you're doing pretty well, but you have to go 2-0 and oh to advance to the final 16 of this ITA kickoff. What an awesome bit of competition. Also, great competition for track and field. Full story up on GoUSFBulls.com about its meet today in Louisville. We'll sum it all up for you on Monday's show. We'll continue with the baseball and softball interviews, and we hopefully have highlights from two victories for basketball. We love bringing it all to you here on Bulls Beat. Horns up this weekend. I'm Derek Sharp.